Hello and welcome to the Transfix Take On. I'm your host, Jenny Ruiz, and today I'm joined by Jessica Wyndham, CEO of Solving Work, a company that helps shippers transform their people, processes, and partners so their logistics team could crush it during the day and still sleep at night. And I love that. And today, Jessica's taking on a kinder, gentler supply chain. And I'm so excited to get into this conversation because there is a lot to get through. Jessica, welcome to the show. Oh, thank you so much. I'm so happy to be here. Incredibly happy to have you. Now, we're in the middle of December as we record this, or rather December is finally here. And in supply chain, as you know, there's no such thing as a slowdown. <laughs> so teams across logistics are ramping up their efforts to secure new customers, make sure they close out the year and meet metrics and, and yada, 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 right? This is the same time when employees start to feel burnout. So my first question to you is how can employees avoid burnout while still maintaining their day-to-day -day responsibilities? That's a great question. And as we wrap up the year, knowing that we only have a few working days left, there's not a lot of time to hit these goals that we've set for ourselves. The time to set boundaries around those goals might have been two, three, six, 12 months ago. So yeah. we have to, at this point, make value decisions. That is the that is where we are today. What is most important to us? And what's truly difficult about December is in logistics, volume, stress, it all ramps up at work, but it also all ramps up at home. So mm. we need to decide what makes what means the most to us during this holiday period? And yeah. we need to make sure we're prioritizing that. And then we need to prioritize with the time remaining. Yeah. And what's going to happen is you are going to actually build bandwidth and unleash mental clarity when you decide to decide. And then you stop mm -hmm. deciding. This day-to-day -day struggle of what should I do? What should I prioritize? How am I going to get it all done? If you can eliminate some of that by just making a few value choices in terms of what you're going to do and what you aren't going to do, set mm -hmm. some balls down instead of dropping them, do yeah. things like that. You are going to be so much more successful as we end this year. Oh, I love the concept of just setting the ball down instead of dropping it because I think we're, I mean, you, you hit the nail on the head, right? We're often juggling multiple and even more around this time. Um, let's discuss setting boundaries, right? Because I think I'm hearing a lot of that. I'm doing a lot of that personally, it's, you know, and in logistics, I think it's very necessary. And my feet is starting to fill with these memes of people saying that's a next year problem, or my books are closed for the next year or for the year. But the reality is that as you and I record this today, we have 18 working days left. And as this um, launches, we'll have even less, like you said. So how can you set boundaries and still meet the goals? Yeah, I think I think we have to understand what we can actually get done with the time that we have left yeah. amidst the interruptions and the disruption of peak season. So we have to have a hard conversation with ourselves. What can we do? Is this goal still achievable? And if the answer is no, we need to start operating from that frame of reference. And then we need to have conversations with our boss, with our stakeholders, with our providers about what is and is not achievable as the year wraps up. I don't, just because we ignore reality doesn't change it. So you can live in fear of this conversation over the next 18 days, or you can face it head on today and make a plan that doesn't disrupt two to three other stakeholders, two to three other providers, right? Let's have a conversation about what we can do and then do that. 
Mm, I love that. You know, as a follow up to that, do you think, because what I'm kind of noticing just with my friends, as we talk about, you know, what's it like for you in this month and so forth, there is this sort of um, fear of questioning your boss in terms of what is actually achievable. Can you help navigate what those conversations could and should look like? Those conversations are really tough and it really depends on the type of boss that you have. Yeah. And it's not only the type of boss that you have, because you may have a boss who is incredibly empathetic, who is really does care about you, but doesn't have the mental and emotional clarity because their life is a mess. <laughs> their work life is a mess. Fair. Um, to, to be present for those conversations, especially this time of year, right? Mm. So these are hard conversations. These are hard conversations that we just have to start having. Yeah, um, It's not going to be easy. It's not going to feel good. Um, you may get into a conversation with your boss and really have a great exchange and then end it with, and I can't do anything about any of this. I see you. I hear you. I feel you. And nothing changes yeah so um, I do it. you know like because we are so close to the end but we can start 2024 differently mm. and that's the opportunity that we have right now mm. um, as we reflect on the goals we set how we set them and with 18 days left how far we are from achieving them because yeah. regardless of the conversation you have or don't have your output is going to be the same Fair. For the most part, right? Unless you need something that you're not getting, right? Which I hope you're having those conversations. Yeah. But if this is about, hey, that goal is not going to happen as a leader, I want to know that now. Don't show up on the day it's due and give me nothing. Let's Ooh. have a conversation open and honest right now about what you are going to deliver and what you can do differently within the boundaries of your personal life, of yeah. your personal mental health, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that should be at the forefront. And I think that oftentimes, especially around, you know, the holidays, it's kind of like this fight or flight, right? We start to get in the mode of, I, I hate saying the more euphemisms and so forth, but like do or die, you got to do it because there's nothing, like you said, there's nothing else to do. Sometimes you have to set, um, you have to meet your goals, but that mindset shift of let's go into 2024 a little bit differently then is it is a great opportunity right we can reflect like december for me it's all about reflection it's a knee-jerk reaction i can't even stop it from happening <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. like it is all about looking back how did we get here mm. why am i here and it and not in from a place of making excuses from yeah. a place of taking personal responsibility okay i i needed to push back against that because it wasn't feasible when i started it i knew it then I'm facing those consequences today. We are all reaping what we sow. You know, the folks that, you know, are mad at their providers, right? Everyone has at least one provider they want to fire in December and just can't because obviously it's peak season, right? Right. And I'm like, okay, let's write it down. Write it down right now. So future you, January you, remembers what was actually going on because I don't know about you, but for me, I get to January 1 and I have forgotten everything that happened the previous year. It's all gone. Yep. I feel hopeful. We've got 12 months in front of us. Yeah. You know, the, the world is our oyster, <laughs> you know, like that refresh and renewal, which is part of the problem of having these quarter to quarter, year to year goals, right? Because yep. then you 
wipe the slate clean and you start again off of maybe lower numbers from the previous year. So you're like, oh, I'll, I'm going to be in position to do it this year. But yeah. I haven't taken my lessons learned. And that's the problem. Like, stop making the same mistake over and over again. Let us take the option to to reflect right now. Yeah. Yeah. You know, there's, as we talk about the holidays as well, we had this conversation about companies uh, that refer their workforce as a family. But the reality is that that's just not true. Why should companies stop calling their employees a family? And what is the replacement message that they should be sending, especially around this time, but, but throughout the year? Yeah. I mean, I have a family at home yep. and <laughs> it is hard to prioritize that family mm. in, in all the ways that I want to and all the ways that support my values. Yeah. I cannot also support a work family, you know? Like I yeah. can't even get it done at home, let alone get it done at home and have these overstated expectations of yeah. what I'm gonna give in the workplace. And in my opinion, a team is enough. A team can do the impossible. A team can move mountains. A group of people that truly trust each other can do almost anything. It doesn't need to be this family equivalent. I mean, watch any sports movie ever. Teams yeah. do amazing things. And that is enough. Um, so I, I think just investing in the team culture without mm -hmm. bringing in sort of a toxic family environment. Because again, you know, my mom, cares about whether or not um, I am mentally well, physically well, having fun before she cares about whether or not I hit my KPI. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. So if, if you're running your operation like that, well, then maybe you can keep the family concept. But for as long as, or at least the majority of workplaces that I've been a part of, that's yeah. not the order. And that may not necessarily need to be the order. Mm -hmm. um, but in a team, the concept just it resonates so much more authentically, so much more truthfully, and just puts us in a position to support the person next to us, but not at the expense of our own families at home. Yeah, yeah. And not to mention that there are people out there that have toxic families, so why, <laughs> why be mixed up with that? Not that I have one, but you know. Uh, <laughs> you know, I wanna get into this concept of the logistics doom loop. What exactly does that mean and how can we avoid it? Um, because it sounds like something that we do not wanna be in. <laughs> Yeah, so the logistics doom loop, this is this concept or lived experience really of you know getting it all together and, and we're there, right? We're January one, we're gonna all have all of these beautiful ideas about what we're gonna accomplish in the following year. And we're gonna make a plan and everything is gonna be going awesome for you know maybe approximately 45 seconds, I don't know. <laughs> and then a supply chain disruption is going to hit and it doesn't have to be something like COVID, just a normal peak season can throw us into disarray. So we go all hands on deck. Logistics folks are firefighters first. <laughs> you Absolutely. know, that's, that's our th bread and butter, just that ability to jump in and solve the problem as it arises. So we do that and we go all hands on deck and we finally get everything under control. And then we go back to that to-do list and we have a freak out because we're so much further behind than we were when we started. How are we gonna hit these goals we set and you know, make up for the lost time. You know, we're constantly mm -hmm. getting further and further and further and further behind, which leads to this burnout, this hopelessness, this despair that we just cannot <clears throat> like keep up. Um, and then, you know, we make our plan and then we get disrupted and on and on it goes as we, you know, fall further down the loop. So I don't think there's a way to avoid the doom loop. That is logistics, right? That's the job 
that we have, yeah. but we can disrupt it. Let's let let's disrupt the doom loop instead of letting it disrupt us. Mm. Um, and the way that we do that is with more resilient processes, more resilient leaders, more resilient teams, more resilient um, technology, more resilient implementation of processes, things like that. That is what helps us disrupt that doom loop and from and from keeping us to fall further and further behind. And and the the resilience comes from or is created in, in my opinion, just the foundational processes that you engage in on a daily basis. This is the um, communication. Yes. This is the culture. This is just how you plan and interact with the work. Some of that is so unbelievably important and yet overlooked mm. um, when we're trying to build stronger companies, stronger teams, stronger supply chains. Yeah. You know, can we get into solving work for a second? Because I realized that I didn't even ask you what was what was the jumping point and the genesis of solving work? Because I think it's important to understand you recognize all of these issues with the supply chain and logistics field, and they're absolutely true and resonate, you know, in various, whether it's your brokerage, your carrier, shipper, whatever it is, what made you decide to go all in on solving work? So I have had um, the opportunity over the last two decades to sit on all sides of the table. I've been a shipper. I've been a carrier. I've worked for three PLs, freight forwarders, consulting firms. I have sat everywhere. And everywhere I sat, I saw people falling down the doom loop. Mm. myself included yeah uh, <laughs> it's just um it is a part of life mm. but in some of the last roles that i've had especially in my last leadership roles i was able to i, I feel disrupt the doom loop by mm. building in this resilience and i just felt called this year to to bring that to more people to yeah. solve these problems in our industry with a wider audience, with a wider effect, which is why I've been so active on LinkedIn and looking for opportunities to work with companies, work with teams, work with leaders that absolutely know that there's a better way and want help getting there, right? We just want more resilience. We're never going to be perfect. That doesn't exist. There's never not going to be a fire to fight. Don't worry. <laughs> that, uh, I mean, we become a little addicted to it over time. Yeah. But we can we can make something way more sustainable. Um, and that sustainability st starts with us, with 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 our, ourselves as leaders. Yeah. Yeah. You know, what I love about your brand specifically is that it's not only badass, but it speaks to this kinder, kinder gentler approach to the supply, supply chain and how kindness and empathy produces better results, which I absolutely agree with. Help our listeners understand this better. What should leaders and colleagues consider when it comes to being a more empathetic contributor? I have a an interesting take on this. The first thing that I'll say is the most BS statement in the workplace <laughs> is that it's just business, don't take it personally. Also, this will definitely come out of the mouth of somebody saying we're a family. But it is though, right? I am a person that makes it personal. And you can try to disregard reality, but it doesn't change reality. So yeah. treating people well, treating people with empathy is always going to produce better long-term results. You may get a short-term result that bites you long-term by disregarding the values of your people, disregarding their humanity, things like that. 
the challenge with showing up with empathy is we need to do two things to do that. First off, you need to actually care. <laughs> Um, and you need to take time to listen to know what it is you need to care about and mm -hmm. creating the bandwidth and the emotional and mental clarity to actually listen and then be able to care is very difficult. Yeah. Um, in our workplaces, we are burnt out. We are overloaded. We are overwhelmed with inputs. Our email inboxes overfloweth. Um, <laughs> and I, I believe most leaders most leaders that I have met, they want to show up mm. more empathetic. That is who they are. And they are prevented from doing that because their work life is out of control. It's out of balance. They don't have these foundational processes in order to be a resilient leader and show up for their team the way they want to. So I don't think that the problem is that our leaders don't care. I think our problem is that our leaders are overwhelmed and they need help. Yeah. Um, and once we do that, our leaders and our teammates, they can all show up for each other and and be that team that is then going to be successful and achieve these goals. I have to ask you this question because it's been circulating. It's a, a, a video that went viral. Um, and I believe that the woman in the video was Gen Z. And she, I don't know if you've seen this, but she um, filmed herself having a conversation with the CEO, I presume at her company, where she was tackling the discussion of a four-day work week. Hmm. And the CEO said to her, well, what would you be doing with that third day? And she responded, I would be living my life. <laughs> and the, the CEO couldn't comprehend it. And, you know, we had this interesting conversation of the fact that you said that, that Gen Z is going to save us. So mm -hmm. do you think that we're going to see more of these discussions happen in the workplace and sort of them challenging these age-old concepts, especially in logistics? I okay so what the impact that they can make on logistics let's put a pin in that because who knows right yeah, 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 <laughs> we are set in our ways in some ways and and again that's one of the reasons that I started solving work yeah. but I was once upon a time a uh, elder millennial coming into the workplace and everyone said that the millennials were going to ruin everything well they didn't um <laughs> they are productive members of the workforce. And I see the same thing for Gen Z. Gen Z is bringing with them some boundaries. Gen Z is bringing with them some um, demands of flexibility. Look, this flexibility is now built into society. RIP snow days. We have virtual learning days when it's snowing out, right? So yeah. the expectation of the, the Gen Z once the, especially this younger um, side of it, when they graduate from college, it is not going to be that they get in their car and drive through a blizzard to get into the office. That won't, their entire life, we have made accommodations to be flexible when the environment or context demanded it. So this is a fundamental shift. So it's not just them as a generation. It is a, a shift that we are making. And when you start mm -hmm. in that education system and you get people accommodated to certain things, yeah. You're going to have to carry that into the workplace. Like, again, this education is the funnel for our workforce and the things that they do in schools have an impact on what our future workplaces are going to look like. And that's amazing because I don't think you should have to get in your car when it's, I mean, some of our drivers do not have a choice. And yes. I also think we should get as many people off the road for them as possible. Absolutely. 
And that will be something that we can do all together as a society and have a greater benefit, right? We're going to yep. keep people safer, not only our drivers, but the folks that don't need to physically be outside their home to do their job so that the roads are more clear, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, so, and, so I think Gen Z is bringing that and it's also just a, a whole societal shift um, and they're going to have less burnout. Gen Z are going to prioritize their mental health because that is what they've been taught to do. Way to go, parents, you know? <laughs> like that, these all things have have consequences. Um, there are there is some part of this Gen Z entering the workforce. Like I don't want Gen Z to miss out on some of the pay your dues items, right? I don't want to, I don't want them to miss out on opportunity to grow because it's not in their job description, right? There are some pushbacks that I think are limiting and there are some pushbacks that are going to help everyone in the workplace have more balance. Um, yeah. And I think this is where a mentor-mentee relationship is really going to be crucial as we bring more Gen Z into the workforce. Let us mentor the new folks and then learn along the way. I have the privilege of having um, a group of um, elder Gen Zers in my life and watching them approach work is equal parts inspiring and terrifying. And, <laughs> you know, we'll have some of those conversations about, mm. you know, like, hey, I, great boundary setting. Are you missing out on X, Y, Z? And mm. that's a value choice that you need to make. Um, and then letting them make that choice for themselves. Um, mm. But I see Gen Z as a really positive impact on the workplace in general and then of course in logistics because they're not we're not going to have anybody come work in logistics unless we can make it more amenable that is very true we have to evolve with society and i think we're seeing bits and pieces of that but the adoption is going to take some time especially in our industry <laughs> agreed uh-huh um i'd love to ask you what your what current workplace trends do you see sort of dying out in the next five years the, I mean, for sure, everyone needing to be in the office five days a week. That's, yeah. that is already changing. I think, I know we even have some big tech companies that are like, get back to the office, but nobody's mandating five days a week. Yeah. This is going to be a thing that we leave in the past. And technology is keeping up with us. They're, they're, that we have now the tools in order to work effectively from home. Even five, 10 years ago, you know, the, when I would log into the system off the VPN, it would go so slow, I couldn't do anything. Right. Those things have changed and they're going to continue to change. Yeah. Um, I also think something is going to give on the always on situation. Mm. You know, I was really thinking back to, you know, two decades ago when I started my career, what's different from then to now? And a lot feels the same, but yeah. the ability to always have email, <laughs> The ability to always be on, that is definitely different and it is not sustainable long-term. And I think we will find a solution. And the solution is there, right, for us, right? With that four-day work week. What if we had people work Sunday to Wednesday and people work Wednesday to Sunday, you know? Like, yeah. what if we did that, you know? What if we changed the whole way we look at things so that we can, yes, be always on and not be always on? <laughs> It's true. There were, so I worked in an organization um, that, way back when where they had, you had an option. You had an option option to choose if you wanted to work three 12 hour days and then have the the rest of the, you know, the time to yourself, which was coveted. If you could get your hands on that position, it was, you know, you had the best time. 
Um, so I would love to see more of that come into the workplace, just giving people the choice because this yeah. Ford model that we've sort of adopted many decades ago, it just, it's not, it just isn't sustainable anymore. We're different now. And the knowledge work is a big component of that. Look, we have limited mental resources. Yeah. To be creative, to make decisions. These are these are scientific facts. This is not an anecdotal thing, but it is anecdotally very true in my own life. And when I get to the end of a workday and I feel depleted and mm. I can't make it to five o'clock, being yeah. like as productive as I would like to be, I feel guilty. And mm. I am actively working against that to say, no, you gave what you have and now you need to rest and your brain is telling you that. One of the things that I do is I keep a list of brain dead tasks so that I can finish my day strong, right? Just get those dopamine hits by mm. reading this or checking that out or, you know, responding to this email, which doesn't require a lot. I, I do try to keep a cache of um, completely depleted tasks. I think that that's really helpful and it helps me get to the end of the day without feeling super guilty. But ultimately I should not feel guilty. I have given, I have done the work. I have been engaged. I have been creative. I've problem solved. I've probably emotionally held somebody up. That's a lot. It is a lot. You yeah. know, to do that, that same work day in and day out, five days a week, six days a week, you know, who knows? Yeah. It may not be sustainable. It's not the same as you know, screwing in the the nut on the assembly line. It's it's just not the same. Yeah, give yourself grace, right? Absolutely. Ooh, I listen. If you're not going on solvingwork.com, I don't know what you're doing. You have to absolutely go follow Jessica Wyndham on LinkedIn as well. She's dropping so many gems. There is a reflection post on there right now that you can see 2023 into 2024. I highly recommend. Any words of wisdom to usher us through 2024? Yes. My number one thing, and this is kind of cliche, I know we've touched on a few of those, is you can't pour from an empty cup. Yeah. It's really unbelievably true. And when you sit down to think about what you can and cannot do, put yourself first. I imagine that may be the first time you've ever done that. But put yourself first because you deserve to be first. However, they, you will see productivity benefits mm. as a result of doing that. You will be able to show up as that kinder, gentler, more empathetic leader. Yeah. You will be able to show up with more creativity, more decision-making power. You'll be able to show up. You'll be able to show up. And Period. I just think yeah. that that's so unbelievably important. And this is a fun, foundational item that we sometimes overlook. So that's what I want for you in 2024 is to put yourself first and see the dividends that that pays. Oh, what a great way to end the 2023 Transfix Take On. Jessica, it's such a pleasure to talk to you. Again, you can follow Jessica at solvingwork.com and it's Jessica Wyndham on LinkedIn. Any any other places that we should be following you? Or is no, those are, that's where I'm most active. So I'm happy to find you guys on LinkedIn or on the website. All right. Thank you so much and happy new year to you. Happy new year.
All views and opinions expressed in this podcast are those of the speakers and do not necessarily reflect the views or positions of Transfix Inc. or any parent companies or affiliates or the companies with which the participants are affiliated and may have been previously disseminated by them. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are based upon information considered reliable, but neither Transfix Inc. nor its affiliates nor the companies with which the participants are affiliated warrant its completeness or accuracy and it should not be relied upon as such. All views and opinions are subject to change.